Nexus Church is all about cultivating an authentic Christian community where old and young alike journey with Jesus and are transformed by the gospel. May we be challenged and inspired by the power of His Word. We're talking about to the ends of the earth, and I love this. Acts 1.8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I want to preach a text tonight about one of my favorite Bible characters. His name is Philip. I always say this, that almost everyone becomes my favorite Bible character, and then I move on to someone else next week. I kind of fickle like that. But today it's Philip. I think he's amazing. We're going to read his story in a moment. But we're first introduced to Philip in Acts chapter 6. And, and I want to tell you about Philip, because Philip, this was his primary function in the kingdom of God. This was Philip's job. Ready? Are you ready for it? A man who changed this part of the world that he's about to go to in Samaria. He changed it and here was his first God-ordained appointment. Hand out bread. That was it for Philip. Acts chapter 6. The Grecian Jews were getting, uh, the, the widows were getting a different amount of bread compared to the Jewish, um, what were they? Widows, sorry. So the widows of the Hebrews and the Jews, they were actually, no wait, Hebrews and the Greeks, they were given the wrong amount of food. Anyway, some kind of weird complaint. It was back in the old days when there wasn't emails, people were just complaining out loud. And, um, and they were complaining that they were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. The apostles get together and say, I reckon we should keep on preaching the word and we should get seven people who are wise and full of the Holy Spirit. And so they got seven people. Philip was one of them. They lay their hands on Philip and his, his daily job every day was to give out food. And that was it. Philip said yes to giving out food. Can I tell you, it is your first yes to God that makes all the difference. Sometimes we're looking for whatever it is. Just say yes to giving out food, whatever that looks like. Standing at the door at church, working at Nexus Care, filling in a pack, doing something in another organization, whatever your hand finds to do, do it all as unto the glory of the Lord. And he said, I will hand out bread. That's Philip. And then it moves on. Acts chapter 7, a great persecution begins to break out against the church. Stephen has a vision and he begins to share his vision. He preaches to the people who didn't want to hear his message and he is stoned. He is, rocks are thrown at him. I have to be specific about that. Rocks are thrown at Stephen, you know. One of the kids' story time things you don't hear a lot of, you know, the stoning of Stephen. We don't paint that on the walls anymore. It's kind of not good taste. Stephen is stoned and killed and Saul, who would later become the Apostle Paul, is watching, holding the jacket so they don't go get blood on it. He's approving this. This is Acts chapter 7. Then we get to Acts chapter 8. Are you still with me? All right, good, good, glad. Acts chapter 8, it says this, at that time, a great persecution broke out against the church. And notice this, I'll read it in Acts chapter 8. This isn't the text for tonight. This is the introduction, long introduction. Don't worry, I've only got 28%. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women. But notice this, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. It was the scattering of this persecution that caused the church to expand. I have a thought for you. Could it be that the scattering that happens in our lives 
is more the plans and purposes of God than even the plans that we come up with. Could it be that in the scattering, we are fulfilling His purpose to go to the ends of the earth? Because I don't know about you, but imagine if all the prayers you prayed were answered. How bad would your life be? Think about all the silly things you've asked for. We, we tried to buy a house years ago on a really busy road for money that we didn't have and to sell off our other house. And like, I laid hands on that one too. You know, I've got a habit of doing this. You know, and like, Lord, consider your servant. And then sometimes I just reckon the Lord goes, oh, I, I really love him, but he's just an idiot sometimes. So. Yeah, think about all the plans you have made if God actually answered those plans, how different your life would be. Sometimes we think that those plans, our life would be significantly better, but I would like to suggest to you that in God's plans and purposes, He operates a lot more through the scattering than through our careful planning. The church was going to the ends of the earth, not because anybody sat down and planned it, but because they responded to being persecuted. Could it be that God has placed you where you are right now, not because of your planning and your purposes, but just because something hasn't gone the way you thought it was going to go, and now you're here sitting next to someone you thought you'd never sit next to? Not now, because you like these people. I'm talking about people you don't like. Think about it. How many times, and uni students, you understand this, you know, you've applied for that tutorial because you've got your one-hour lecture and you want to go straight from the lecture, straight to the tutorial. You don't want that annoying one-hour gap because you don't want to be at university for one minute longer than you have to be. Dare I say, you don't want to make friends. And, and so you go lecture, straight to tutorial, but as you know, it is released and you're online and that class is totally full and you have to wait an hour or two hours and just sit around in like eating in the cafeteria with their overpriced food and then you try and get to that tutorial and you, you missed out on that one and then you've got to go come back the next day. Have you ever had that happen? No one. Good. All right. I'm just talking to myself. I've got some counseling. I've gotten through it. But you, but you think to yourself, I really, I wanted it to go this way. But then as it turns out, you end up in a weird tutorial at a weird time, but you sit next to someone whose heart is completely open to Jesus. Could it be in the scattering of the Lord, when things don't go according to plan, that that is how he fulfills his plan in the scattering and the, and the purposes of the Lord? And maybe you're asking yourself this question tonight. Why am I here? Why, why am I not where I want to be? Why, why did I not get that job? Why did that relationship not work out? Why am I stuck in this workplace and you're already thinking about that person tomorrow and how you're going to deal with them. And perhaps it's a bit of a scattering in your life. And the Lord is saying, yeah, but I've got you in a place you never planned to go. Because often the places we never planned to go are the places God wants us to go. Because think about it, if we all made a plan, we'd all be missionaries in Hawaii right now. I know I've prayed that. Lord, it's a good place. Or Noosa. I would also take Noosa, which, you know, that's more realistic. And perhaps you feel that God has scattered you. But what you notice about this in the scattering, everywhere they went, they spoke about Jesus and they preached. And so Philip does this. And then I want to expand on Philip's story. Acts chapter 8, verse 26, the bread giver. It says this, we're going to read a few verses and then I promise I won't preach long. 
Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. At this point in Acts chapter 7, uh, some great things had happened in the life of Philip. Actually, no, in chapter 8, just prior to this, some great things had happened in the life of Philip. He goes to Samaria, some great things happen. He casts out some demons and, and revival is breaking out in Samaria. And if I was Philip, and I'm sure he felt this way, things were pumping. It's like, keep me in Samaria. But keep in mind that the Jewish people didn't overly like the Samaritans. We heard that last week from Pastor Cam, and yet in the persecution, again, they end up in Samaria. The people that no one wanted to go to, they had to go to for survival. And now he's there. And an angel says to, the, says to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official. Don't you love the detail of the, of the Bible? Hello, Ethiopian man. Anyway, there's always important details there. Hello, are you a eunuch? <laughs> got, to, got to meet you, mate. An important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, but on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay with it. Notice an angel and now the Spirit, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. And he said, how can I unless someone explains to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. And who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth? So Isaiah 53, speaking of Jesus. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they travelled along the road, they came up to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptised? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptised him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotos, the great burrito place, and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Philip gets some instructions from an angel. Then he gets some instructions from the Spirit of God the Holy Spirit within him. But what I love about this story is that the angel says to go to the south road, but on his way to the south road, he meets this Ethiopian eunuch. And then the Ethiopian eunuch is traveling from Jerusalem back to the northern kingdom of Ethiopia. And on his way, he meets Philip. Philip is on his way and this guy is on his way and God causes them both to intersect but neither of them were the destination. Think about it for a second here. Philip has to go to the south road 
But on his way, he meets the Ethiopian eunuch. The Ethiopian eunuch is traveling to the northern kingdom of Ethiopia, and on his way, he meets Philip. It's fascinating to me that both of them are on their way, but along the way, God is revealing that each of them are the one to meet. And can I tell you that actually people along the way are the final destination for us rather than just the location itself. Until we realize it's the people we meet along the way, we have to realize we have to have spirit-led eyes or we'll always think people are in the way. Think about Philip. Philip's kind of going, I'm heading to this south road and it's like, there's a guy in the way. Would you get out of the way? I got I to gotta get to the south road. You're in the way. Can you imagine the Ethiopian unit? Could you get out of my way? And then the Spirit of God says, no, you're meant to be in each other's way because the destination doesn't matter. It's the people that actually matter. And until we realize that it's the people along the way that matter far more than the destination, we'll miss so many people along our way. We'll just think they're always in the way. Because people have a tendency to get in the way. Never lined up for anything. Driven on the road. But can I tell you, the destination is people. It was on his way, and he was on his way, and they ran into each other. And he radically encounters the Spirit of Jesus. You know, so often in our lives, we we carry a destination mindset. But I believe what the Spirit of God wants us to do as we go to the ends of the earth is to realize that it's only the people along the way that will really matter. I mean, imagine if Philip did just go, could you just clear out, please? Like, I've been given this angel. He said to go to the south road. You're blocking that. I need to get to that. But along the way, the Spirit of the Lord begins to speak to Philip's heart that this person is actually the destination. But so much in our lives, we, we have a destination mindset. And here's what I want to say about that. In one sense, we think that we'll be ready to share about Jesus when we can really nail it, we get a destination mindset. When, I have a real, when my life is really good, I reckon I can share Jesus then. I reckon when I know how to take people through the Roman road and really lead them well, then I can do it. When I can nail my testimony, get it dialed in, then I'll share Jesus. When I know how to do an altar call, then I'll do it. When my life is better than it currently is, then I will share Jesus. Can I tell you that's a destination mindset and Jesus wants you on your way to share Jesus. And can I tell you, when I've shared Jesus with people in parking lots and street corners, on airplanes, on chairlift things, can I tell you, I do not nail it. The altar call is not great. There's no atmosphere, no smoke, no music, unless there's weird stuff going on. There's nothing cool happening. All it is is, sharing what Jesus has done in your life when you are on your way. We always think we'll reach a point. We always think we'll know. Can I tell you, if you have a destination mindset, you'll never realize it's the people on your way that He wants you to meet. Something else that I find really amazing is it's a pattern that emerges constantly in Scripture where God sets a little bit of direction with no specifics. You know, in Genesis 12, the Lord says to Abraham, Back then it was Abram, get yourself out. I love in the Old Testament, get thee out in the old King James Version. Get thee out. He doesn't tell him where. He says, along the way, I'll show you. You know, Paul has a similar thing happen. In Acts chapter 16, Paul has a vision. He has a vision of a man from Macedonia. The man from Macedonia, Macedonia begs Paul and says, please come and share Jesus with us. Paul wakes up in Acts chapter 16, verse 9, and he says, guys, I've had a vision. We've got to get to Macedonia. 
They go to Macedonia. They can't find a temple or anything at all. They go down to the river. Nobody is there except one woman. Her name is Lydia from Thyatira, the seller of purple. Yes, the color purple. She came up with it. Brilliant. Here is purple. I love that idea. Lydia, the seller of purple. Thyatira is a region which has a little mollusk and that mollusk or mollusk, however you say it, has a purple dye. She sold purple. By that river, it says, the Lord opened her heart to believe. She gets saved. The whole household is baptized and saved. Then they begin to walk the streets of Macedonia. A demon-possessed girl begins to follow. And Paul just gets fed up with this whole thing because she keeps on yelling out. And he just says, would you just get out in Jesus' name? She gets healed and set free. And she begins to follow Paul and Silas. But then Paul and Silas end up in prison. You know the story, whipped. And then they're locked in there. They're singing hymns and spiritual songs to the Lord. They're singing shouts to the Lord, of course. They sing that. The jail breaks open. The jailer is about to kill himself because he knows what happens if people get released. Paul says, don't go anywhere. We are right here. He says, what do I do to be saved? He gets saved. He brings him a meal. His whole household is saved and baptized somehow on the spot. And then they leave Macedonia. Can I tell you, there's no man from Macedonia. Who's the man? There is no man. There's a woman. There's a demon-possessed girl. And then a Roman jailer and Paul accidentally plants a church called the Church at Philippi. We have a book in the New Testament called Philippians, written to this church. That was the church planting team. Can you imagine if I pulled a team like that in here? Righto, we've got a businesswoman, that checks out. Who was previously demon-possessed? We'd love to have you. And who used to kill people for a living? You would be great on the ushering team. Paul accidentally plants a church. But what happens? He gets a vision of a man from Macedonia, no doubt a Jewish man wanting to be taught. The man never shows up. But along the way, Paul plants a church accidentally by meeting a woman by the lake, a demon-possessed girl and a guy who used to kill people for a living. And bam, the church started and to change the world. I tell you, imagine if Paul gets this vision but he has a destination mindset. I'm looking for a man. I'm looking for a man. He'll be a spiritual man. He'll be a guy wanting me to teach him the word. No, I don't want to talk to you. No, the possessed girl, go away. Jailer, come on, man. You know, I need a man. There's a man there. Uh, that sounded weird. Um, but imagine if he said, no, I've got a vision and I've got to find this guy. He didn't. Paul realized it was never a destination, it was along the way. And how much do we miss out on because we are always thinking of the destination, but it's along the way that the Spirit of God wants to lead us to people. I'm convinced He's got you right where you've got you, regardless of how you feel about where you are, for a purpose and a reason to open someone's heart to Jesus. The other thing I love is this, is notice that it starts with an angel speaking to Philip. And Philip gets moving, go to the south road. And then he gets there. And then the Spirit of God says to go over near the chariot. I love this because it says to go to the chariot and stay near the chariot. I love that because Philip would have been having to run next to the chariot. Hello, hi. What are you reading? That looks good. Yeah, just go and go run. I love this. He gets an angel. The Spirit tells him to go near the chariot. But the Spirit of God doesn't tell him to do anything else. That third instruction, that's, that's all Philip. And I would like to suggest to you that when you respond to the first time, he then nudges you a second time. 
But by the third time, I reckon the Spirit of God just says, have fun. I'm with you. It's like when you first take your kids to the playground. You kind of take them to the playground and, you know, you've trained them up. They're three. Trained them up. You taught them to steer clear of naughty kids. I remember when we went to this park a, a long time ago when Coop was only three or four and this, this kid, you remember that kid with the big gold chain and he hit you? He was scary. He was in a gang already. He was three. But, you know, you take him to a park and you just say, go. You kind of look back at you. I'm like, can I, do I just go on the swings? Do I jump on this? Yes, you can do anything you want. Do you know, I actually believe that the Spirit of God gets you to a point where He just says, have fun. Just share. Don't, don't overcomplicate it. The Spirit of God will never grab your mouth and tell you what to say. Just open your mouth. What if I don't get it right? Don't worry about it. Go on the monkey bars. What, what, what if I don't nail it? What, what if when I pray, I don't exactly... Don't worry about it. Because if you've obediently stepped out in faith and you've responded to the Spirit of God, I just think He says, just go. Just open your mouth. Just speak. Uh, this past week, a couple of times, I've taken our youngest out surfing. Uh, I picked him up a pretty cheap wetsuit. And so we've, we've gone out Wednesday and yesterday and it's been really good. Wednesday was a little scary though because the report was one foot and then it was like two to three. And, they, and the reports never say this. It says, oh, surprisingly, the swell's really picked up. And I was like, yeah. It was kind of scary. And anyway, it was kind of funny yesterday because I'm, I'm teaching him to know when to go under or when to go over, you know, and so you paddle out and you go under, 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 you know, under and over, over, you know, you, you do that. And, and, and then he paddled out the back with me. It was really cool. And we're just sitting there and I just think, man, this is awesome, you know. And then a wave came, which was clearly for me. <laughs> so I just thought, you just stay right here. I said, I said, stay here. I'll be right back in a minute. And caught this great wave. And paddle back out. And as I'm paddling out, like I just see, of course, this wave just cresting. You know, it, it was pretty good size too. And I was like, oh. And he just kind of stood there. I like just sat on his board. And he just came and just cleaned him up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, it was really good. And when I eventually found him, um, <laughs> I, I said, like, I just could see the board for a long time, <laughs> but it was attached to him. I knew he was under it. And I just said, buddy, like, what were you doing? He said, well, you said stay here. <laughs> yeah, but pay attention. <laughs> it was pretty cute and really great for my heart. Um, but you know, it's funny because at some point he will learn the instinct of when to go under when to go over, and when to paddle, and when to not. And I just think we overcomplicate our walk with Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit by, by always asking, like, what do you want? And I just think he says, you'll know what to do. You've heard my voice. You know what it's like to hear from me. You know that it's a little scary. You know it's hard to step out in faith. It's hard in the lunchroom to reach your hand. I understand that. But, but I'll tell you, at some point, you'll know when to go under, when to go over. At some point, you will know when it's time to speak, when it's time to pray, when it's time to not. And I believe he wants to give us that instinct by constantly listening to his voice. But you know, there's another thing here, and I just want to add this and then I'll move on and then we'll wrap it up. I also think we have to be people who are prepared to respond to the voice of the Holy Spirit regardless of the outcome. There's been that many times 
in my life where I have done, I've spoken, I've shared with people and it just hasn't gone well. But you also get to a point where if you do it with gentleness and respect, seasoned with salt, as we're called to out of Colossians, you can't control the outcome. That doesn't really matter. Because I don't think God wants us to worry about the outcome. I just think He wants us to do our part. We all want the stories, the big stories, and perhaps you're disappointed in that story. Oh, that's a bad story. But can I tell you, that's an amazing story, being obedient. And as people, we need to learn to respond simply to the inklings of the Holy Spirit. There's another important detail here. You've got to remember that Philip is, is a Stoic Jew. So he was raised in Judaism. Now he's full of the Holy Spirit, follower of Jesus. You've got to know that the Ethiopian eunuch is on the very far side of the cultural spectrum. Imagine this, right? If God gave Philip the specifics of who to go and talk to, I don't believe Philip would have gone to talk to him. But because he responded every step of the way, God gave Philip access to a person that he would never, ever think to share Jesus with. Could it be that as you and I respond, he leads us to people that perhaps are nothing like you and I, and yet those are the people that he really does want to reach? Think about the person that is completely on the opposite end of the spectrum to you. They are a blues supporter from Narendra or something oddly specific like that. <laughs> and yet God would lead you to a place to speak to that person. So you and I know that we mainly stick to people who we like and are like us. That's what we tend to do culturally. There's a number of things that happen here. Notice that the Lord said to him by the Spirit of God, said to stay near the chariot. You know that would have required him to run. Do you know one of the most... Um, culturally abhorrent things in, in the ancient Near East is for men to run. You only see it twice in the whole Bible. Luke 15, the prodigal son, the father running to, to the son, that's just unbelievably culturally. And here, so what's happening? Along the way of obedience, the Lord is breaking off all the cultural barriers. Why is he getting him to run? Because no one runs. That's countercultural. I'm going to need you to stay near it. But the only way to stay near it is to run. Run. It's important that you run. It's important you break off that first cultural layer because there's a big cultural layer as you meet with this Ethiopian eunuch. Can I remind you that every day, Stoic Jews in that time prayed a prayer every single day. They thanked the Lord that they were not a woman, a slave or a Gentile. That is what he would have prayed every day prior to receiving the Holy Spirit. And now he's saying, go to a Gentile, not any old Gentile, but a foreigner, not any old foreigner, but a eunuch, one who is excluded from temple worship. And I want you to share Jesus with him. Can I tell you on the road of obedience, I wonder if he would break off cultural things on your life. Just the people we might not reach, the people we might not talk to, the people we might not consider. Team, you can come and join me. So he started on his way, Verse 27, he met the Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury. Notice this. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. There's some interesting specific details that have gone on there. Because of this man's position, he was actually rich. The fact is he could read, which made him already in the upper echelon of society. He owned a scroll of the prophet Isaiah, very rare, very expensive. But there's something that would draw him to 
worship in the Jerusalem temple. It's fascinating to me that he's gone to worship because there's a number of things that he would have experienced when he got to the Jerusalem temple. The first thing is this, he would have been told flat out, no, you'll never get to worship here. Deuteronomy 23 is very clear. No eunuch and no foreigner will ever worship in this temple. Think about this, right? This guy somehow is yearning for more out of life. He's affluent. He's got his needs met. He's riding in a chariot. Philip doesn't even have a chariot. He has to run everywhere. He's riding a chariot. He's got a scroll. Prophet Isaiah, he can read. And now he's gone to explore this God. There's all these gods in Egypt and Ethiopia, but he's strangely drawn to this God. He goes to the front entrance of the Jerusalem temple and they take one look at him and they say, no way, you're forbidden. No foreigner, no eunuch will ever enter here. Imagine that. Imagine searching and yearning for something more and you have the door slammed in your face. Hops in his chariot. I wonder what he's doing on that road home. I wonder if he's scratching his head. Oh, when I read Isaiah, I, I thought there'd be more. I, I thought somehow, I, I don't know, they'd let me in, they'd tell me what this world is all about. And I can imagine on that little dusty road, there's a lot of disappointment in his heart. And I love this on the, on the far side of things in Samaria, God is speaking to Philip. Now, Philip is 80 kilometers away at this point and revival is breaking out. Samaria is pumping. Everywhere Philip goes, people are healed, demons are cast out. And Philip gets this mission from the Spirit of the Lord to go to one guy? I, I, I can't believe that. And not, not just like a little trip down the road. The Lord says, go to this location, go 80 kilometers, perhaps a three or four day journey. It's almost as if if we could elaborate for a moment. I wonder if the Lord is saying, there's a, there's a guy, one of my kids, and, and there's a moment where I need you to get to him because this could be it for him because he's tried it and he's been disappointed and he's upset. And he's about to walk away from everything. But I've got a man in Samaria who will listen to my voice, who will respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit, who's prepared to walk three or four days to intersect the guy who is about to turn his back on faith forevermore. But Philip, I need you to go to the dusty road. I need you to not look through the man and get to a destination. I need you to realize that he's the one I want you to meet. And along the dusty road, he encounters the Ethiopian eunuch in his disappointment, in his despair. And he says, ah, oh, this is Jesus, the one who would take on our sin and shame. And in fact, if you flipped over to Isaiah 56, it says, let no eunuch complain that I'm only a dry root because I will give them a name better than sons and daughters and every eunuch and foreigner will be welcome into my presence. If you flip it one more page and take a look, man, you'll realize that this Jesus has busted open the doors. He has made a way and so now he wants relationship with you and you can have him enter your heart and you can be baptized right now. And he says, I want it. We never see the end of the story of the Ethiopian eunuch, but I have no doubt that he changes the generation. Because one guy realized that being prompted by the Spirit of God, without looking at the next destination, but on his way 
and the other guy on his way, wasn't in his way, that God would use us, would use him to bring people to know Jesus. And can I tell you, there's a lot of people on the road of disappointment. There's a lot of people who have had perhaps a bad experience with church. There's a lot of people that spend way too much online. And they don't realize that there is a God who desperately loves them, who sent Jesus to bring them to him, to have a relationship with them. And I wonder if for people like us, would be prepared to go to the ends of the earth, would be prepared to open our hearts to the longing, to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I don't believe you need an angelic encounter to do that. I actually believe it's just the simple inklings of the Spirit of God that lead to miraculous encounters. So I'd love to pray for us, church. So why don't you stand to your feet? I think we should just sing this chorus out because I think it's relevant to where we're at. Send revival to the ends of the earth. Use us in the scattering. Use us along the way, even before we get to our destination. Let's sing it out and then I'll pray for us. We hope this message encouraged or perhaps even challenged you in your Christian faith. Our pastors meet regularly with people to pray and support them and we extend this invitation to you. Please let us know if we can contact you to offer support. Simply call the office or visit nexuschurch.com.au.